it's somewhat awkward to talk about the details of someone's death. I often sometimes read the obituaries in the newspaper and wish I would know how someone passed away. I want a little bit more details. This evening, we've talked a lot about details. Some of the readings that the ladies did would make you feel uncomfortable if that was your death or your loved one. We don't like to linger long in uncomfortable or difficult circumstances. And yet often it is the difficult circumstances, those times of suffering and death that God uses to teach us and change us in ways he otherwise couldn't. He does this often throughout the scriptures. Even in the very beginning of the scriptures, we see that death and creation is unnatural. God did not create us to die. And yet because of sin in the garden, death has come to everyone. Sin and death are for men and women, are the curse that God has placed on Adam and Eve and through them to us all. And yet immediately in the garden after the fall into sin and its subsequent curse of death comes hints of atonement, of sacrifice that covers our sins. Soon after Adam and Eve are cursed, God kills an animal so that he might cover them with skins. Abel, one of Adam and Eve's sons, brings an offering of an animal from his flock before God and it's accepted. After Noah comes out of the ark with his family, all alive, he immediately builds an altar and sacrifices animals on it before the Lord. And the scriptures say that it is the smell of the sweet aroma of the sacrifices. That God smells and makes a covenant with Noah never to destroy the earth again by flood. The animals give their lives as a sacrifice, not willingly, and yet their death reminds God of his covenant plans for his people through difficulty and death and suffering. God sees and remembers the coverings and his covenant plan for his people. In Genesis 22, we have a story, an account that is given where God tests Abraham. God speaks to Abraham and tells him to take his son, his only son Isaac. If you remember the story, the son of promise, one who was promised years before, when Abraham and his wife were past the age of childbearing. And God says to Abraham, to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back again to you. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hands the fire and the knife, so they both of them went together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So many analogies and types in this story that we just read that find its fulfillment in the story that the ladies just read of Christ and his sacrifice for us. Isaac is brought up to a mountain with his father. He bears the wood on his back that will be his means of execution. And yet Isaac is unaware of all that will happen. At the last second when the knife is raised, God stays Abraham's hand and Isaac is spared. An animal is found and sacrificed and said, instead, and Abraham states that God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In John 8, verse 56, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus meant that Abraham had a unique insight into the way of redemption that God would establish through Jesus. God is always the one who provides the lamb that we need. Israel knew this. They knew that God would provide the lamb as their sacrificial substitute. Sin must be paid for by blood. A sacrifice is needed. In Egypt, the people of Israel are told to take a lamb and slaughter it, put its blood on the doorposts of their home. And if they did so, the angel of death would pass over their homes and their oldest son would be saved. God saved their sons by a sacrifice that he provided. He provided the lambs. He provided the means of redemption and the lamb died so their oldest son would be saved. God also is the one who provided the Lamb of God. In John 1.29, John the Baptist, when he sees Jesus coming into the wilderness to be baptized, says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
All of the numerous Old Testament sacrifices were pictures of the ultimate reality when God himself reenacted the scene on another mountain, not far away from the one that Abraham took Isaac up to, the mountain of Calvary. There God the Father took the role of Abraham and brought his only son to be the sacrifice, though this time there would be no staying of his hand, and the Son of God would be killed. But just as the ram was the substitute for Isaac, so Jesus is our substitute. He is the substitute for all who believe in him by faith. All those who express faith like Abraham find Jesus substituting his perfect life for their sinful soul. Even though Abraham and Isaac expressed faith in God that he could deliver them, the ram still had to die. And even though we express faith today in Jesus, he still had to die. He came as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, but the sins of the world are not just a general lump sum of sins, but they are your sins, my sins, specific sins. Jesus did not come to take away merely the sin of Abraham and Isaac or Cain, Really bad people we might read about in the Old Testament and think those are sinners. Those are ones who put him on the cross. The Jews who cried, crucify him, put Jesus on the cross. Judas who betrayed him, he put Jesus on the cross. He was really bad. No, Jesus came to take your sins and my sins. Jesus came as a spotless lamb brought by his father that he might go up the mountain and die for our sins. Jacob Revius, I think that's how he pronounced his last name, wrote a poem, He Bore Our Griefs, and says, No, it was not the Jews who crucified, nor who betrayed you in the judgment place, nor who, Lord Jesus, spat in your face, nor who with buffets struck you as you died. No, it was not the soldiers fisted bold who lifted the hammer and the nail, or raised the cursed cross on Calvary's hill, or gambling, toss the dice to win your robe. I am the one, O Lord, who brought you there. I am the heavy cross you had to bear. I am the rope that bound you to the tree, the whip, the nail, the hammer, and the spear, the blood-stained crown of thorns you had to wear. It was my sin. Alas, it was for me. Jesus comes as the promised hope for Israel, their Redeemer. Israel waits a long time for his arrival, just as Abraham and Sarah awaited a long time for Isaac's arrival. Like Sarah, who was not able to have children, Mary was not supposed to be able to have children yet. And unlike Isaac, who didn't know what was happening, Jesus knows all along that he has to be the sacrifice for sin to go about his father's business. And God goes up with his son to the mountain where he is to be crucified. Jesus carries the wood that will be his means of execution. And on the mount of the Lord, Jesus was crucified in the same area as Mount Moriah. It is through the death of Jesus who became a curse for us that all nations will be blessed. And how do we respond? How do you and I respond to the death of Christ other than 
in somber reflection. Yet as we sang, as the ladies read of the women, especially involved in the preparation of Jesus' body for burial and in following him throughout and being at the cross with him, comes a real sense of gratitude and devotion. Just the other day, someone bought me a cup of coffee. I likely said thank you at least three times to them for a $3 cup of coffee. Once when the person paid for it, once when he got up to leave the coffee shop and we were saying goodbye, and another time, a third time, when I emailed him to follow up on something that he said and prefaced my question in the email with, thank you again for the coffee yesterday. We say thank you for someone holding a door open for us. We say it to a waitress who fills our glass with more water, even though that's her job. Or to a child who does something that you ask them to do. Thank you acknowledges our gratitude. But thank yous are not all the same. My thank you to the waitress is really for something that she did. This is what she gets paid for. And maybe the same is for the child who obeys. Yet for the person who buys us coffee or says something nice to us, it is their kindness and generosity. They didn't have to do that. But the action of the person and the extent of the gift requires a measured gratitude that varies. I would not express the same level of gratitude to the person who waved me on at a four-way stop as I would to a person who found my wallet and returned it to me with everything still in it. It would be highly inappropriate to do so. And yet one comes, Jesus, that we've read about and sung about, heard about, seen Old Testament give images to, has come and given his life for us willingly and fully at great cost to his father and at the cost of his own life. Let me end with the words of a song that we won't sing this evening. O sacred head now wounded, with grief and shame weighed down, now scorefully surrounded with thorns thine only crown, how pale thou art with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn, how does that visage languish, which once was bright as morn. What thou, my Lord, hast suffered was all for sinner's gain. Mine, mine was the transgression, but thine the deadly pain. Lo, here I fall, my Savior. Tis I deserve thy place. Look on me with thy favor. Vouchsafe to me thy grace. What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend? For this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end. O oh, make me thine forever, and should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. May we live a life of thanksgiving and devotion to God because of the immense sacrifice he made by sacrificing his son Jesus on the cross for our sins. So we walk from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The scripture ends. It makes a statement as John writes in his revelation. 
It speaks of when Jesus comes in the new Jerusalem, the new heavens, and the new earth, that there is no temple. No temple being no altar, because there no longer stands in need for a sacrifice. The one has come, God himself has come and sacrificed himself. He is the atonement for our sins. Let us trust in him. May we renew a life of thanksgiving and devotion to him because of who he is and what it is he has done for us on the cross. We'll close out the evening with one more song. We'll sing Jesus paid it all. As we're done singing and as the piano finishes playing the song, there'll be no more playing. We won't have music as we exit. And out of respect of the death of our Lord, would we all please exit in silence as we remember the death of Christ until he comes. Would you join me in singing? <laughs>